Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jeff Wilson. I'm chairman of Wilson Asset Management and also chairman of um, WAM, um, WAM Active, who we are here to hear about uh, an update of how the company is performing, but also to talk to you and really to get your feedback and um, and comments on the, the current uh, interesting to uh, corporate um outcomes we've we've announced one is a share purchase plan which allows shareholders to uh, invest up to thirty thousand dollars without paying brokerage into the company um, and and there, there can be some larger shareholders so we're also not only doing the share purchase plan but we're allowing the la larger shareholders to participate in a placement which has been run by Taylor Collison uh, a, a stockbroker that we use um, from time to time. Um, and the other thing uh, for WAM Active, the other interesting uh, corporate event is the fact that we're having an option issue. Um, and you know, we, we can talk through the details and there's been some questions about why we're having an op option issue and we'll deal with that a little bit later. But looking at you know, WAM Active and looking at the last 12 months, you know, the, the portfolio is up about a little over or nearly 19%. Now, which is a solid performance, and actually, the the current financial year to date, and that's to the um, end of February, is yeah you know, the portfolio is up over twenty percent. Yeah, so it has been a a strong performance for the portfolio. One of the positive things, you know, because of the performance of the portfolio, and you'll, you'll hear from Oscar Oberg and Tobias Yao, who are you know, the two drivers behind in, investing. For WAM Active, but the one of the interesting things is with the performance of the portfolio, it's actually topped up our profit reserve, so ability to pay dividends. You know, currently, with the number of shares on issue, um, that we've got two years of dividends up our sleeve. Um, we announced a little earlier um, this year the uh, the three cent interim dividend, and you'd expect the full year dividend to be. Um, a, a similar quantity. Um, so that, that's probably a little bit of the um, a little bit of my introduction. What I'd like to do now is um, go over to Oscar, who'll, who'll give you a bit of an idea of you know, what he's seeing in terms of you know, the market going forward. Maybe looking a little bit um, backwards in terms of how you know, the portfolio has been adjusted um, over the last few months. Uh, and then probably Oscar and Tobias, you know, will you know talk about some of the companies that they think provide a you know, good opportunity in in a market that some people are saying you know, has some signs of um, of excessive valuations. So why don't I I'll pass over now to Oscar, and then after that we'll come back you know, for questions, you know, and that'll be run by James McNamara, our head of corporate affairs. Thanks, Oscar. Thanks, Jeff, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, look, it's been a crazy 12 months, there's no doubt about it. And I'm sort of reminiscing with Tobias, I think, the other day, just, I mean, you know, here we were 12 months ago, scratching heads, wondering what to do with coronavirus um, that had basically come. And I think, I guess, over that last 12 months, we've effectively almost changed the portfolio entirely about four times, but on, on with, with the way I'm active across coronavirus, the recovery, the vaccine, and now the shift from, I guess, growth companies uh, through to value. Um, if 
we have a look through, I guess, if we talk about the, the half that's been um, for WAM Active, uh, certainly the, the fund has benefited from a number early on from a number of e-commerce and retail companies, companies like Temple and Webster, Redbubble, Marley Spoon, Hogan, uh, which, you know, Tobias was instrumental of in, uh, in getting that uh, within the funds around sort of April or May, and they performed very strongly through uh, to September, October. Um, I guess at, at that point, then, we, we sold down a number of these companies, thankfully. Um, and I think, as I've spoken before, you, sometimes you can never sell enough. You think you're, you're positioned well and you're taking profits, but it's, you know, when a, a change in the market occurs, you know, it can actually hit you hard. And that certainly happened with the vaccine announcement that occur, occurred in early November. Uh, but the team performed really well through that time. Uh, we, we transitioned the portfolio very quickly, uh, went, revisited a number of companies across sectors we probably hadn't looked at for a long, long time that fit our investment process, had catalysts uh, where we could see particularly earnings upgrades coming through in the next 12 to 18 months. So, yeah, we're in, so in some of the sectors across where I'm active and looking at the financial sector, uh, companies such as Virgin Money UK and United Kingdom um, in the construction sector or building materials, um, companies such as CSR and Fletcher Building, also some cyclical companies in, 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 in such as traditional media um, that have been beaten up. So we saw we went, had that the portfolio changed um, into reporting season and, look, thankfully we did have a good uh, reporting season. It was sort of fascinating looking at reporting season because there was a lot of the companies that had benefited from COVID who actually had incredibly good results but actually saw their share prices decline because the market was looking forward and saying, you know, this is a good, as good as it gets for these companies, let's transition into these uh, cyclical companies that have been beaten up that will benefit from a vaccine. So it was actually the best reporting season we've seen in 20 years. Um, and average earnings per share estimates were upgraded by uh, just over 5%. And I guess within that backdrop, we're still very positive on the outlook of equities and in particular small cap companies that we invest in across WAM Active. And I guess that reflects largely the fact that around 50% of the companies that we invest in or that, that we look at are exposed to the economy in some way. And whether that's across sectors such as automotive or in building materials, property development or, or retail. And, and we expect the economic data going forward to, to really upgrade expectations to, have, to be continually upgraded, particularly as we cover the impact of months of, say, March, May, June. Uh, so, look, I guess that, that would be um, how we're thinking. In terms of the positioning of the portfolio, there's a slide in the presentation that has a few, that th three themes. Uh, one of the themes there that we've got is around, as I said before, some deep cyclical sectors, um, such as a, a traditional media, which is one that comes to mind which has been one of the hardest hit sectors through um, through COVID. I mean, it was funny, we, we, we invested in, say, Seven West Media. It's been a very good company for us. One of the guys from work came in and said uh, they had a friend who was working, um, basically filling all the slots for all the advertisers within um, within one of the, the media companies. And their job had actually been to turn people away because they just had so much demand. And I, I think when you hear an anecdote like that in January, just going to reporting season is usually pretty good. So, um, you know, we, we um, bought quite a few of the Seven West Media, News Corp, and actually in the outdoor media space, U Media. Um, on the, in, in the financial space, we quite like, um, and two of these companies are exposed uh, into the United Kingdom, which of course has been the worst, uh, you know, one of the worst economies through COVID, but, in terms of how they're ramping up the vaccine, one of the best, and we think they're going to bounce out of bounce out of COVID very quickly. 
Um, so I mentioned before, but a, um, a regional bank called Virgin Money UK, which came out of National Australia Bank, it's the old Clydesdale Bank. It's currently trading at a 30% discount to book value. Um, we think we're going to see uh, earnings upgrades and some and the provisions that they put through uh, 12 months ago uh, quite conservatively will get will get unwound um, as we see a more positive economic environment. And also Pendle, uh, which owns uh, J.L. Hambro, it's a fund manager, uh, has extensive operations in Europe and the United Kingdom. It's been suffering through performance and they've been positioned right in the right way from um, the vaccine. And we think a lot of flow of money will come back into UK and Europe because they've been so successful with the vaccine. Um, and then finally, agriculture, it's a favourite of mine. It um, annoys the guys to death uh, with all my anecdotes from Yas. Uh, but but, I mean, it's, it hasn't stopped raining um, over the last few months and we're starting to see the second derivative from the companies that we invested in last year. So um, that's something like a Costa Group, um, which has a lot of dairy farms and citrus farms across Australia. We're seeing, you know, a, a huge reduction in the cost of water. And it's going to be quite a strong tailwind for the company. We had a very good result and we expect, um, you know, it has a very good balance sheet. We see acquisitions going forward. So that, that's a selection of companies within WAM Active um, as I said before, very confident on the outlook for equities uh, going forward. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff and Oscar. Uh, so this is James McNamara here. I'll turn to questions next. So we have quite a few on the SPP and the option issue, which we'll cover first before moving to questions on the portfolio and the market. First question is from Simon. Why are you holding an SPP and an options issue? Yeah, and you know, thanks, James, and thanks, Simon, for the question. Uh, and just in terms of so everyone knows the timing for the share purchase plan, it's actually closing next Wednesday, you know, the 17th of March. Um, and, you know, the effectively um, the option issue is on a one-for-one -one basis. So, you know, for every, you know, share you own and, you know, if you, if you participate in the share purchase plan, then you'll, Get access. You know, you get this. The number of shares you'll get the equivalent number of options, um, and and those options are exercisable you know, at a dollar ten in eighteen months' time. Now, the the logic of the SPP is uh, Simon. You would have been aware, being a WAM Active shareholder, that a year ago uh, WAM Active had an SPP, uh, and then you know, obviously COVID hit. And the market, there was a significant adjustment, so the board decided to put that on hold. Uh, Wham Active, in terms of size, it was actually it was it was initially floated um, at the start of the GFC, um, and actually really in the middle of the GFC. So the amount of money that was raised in Wham Active was significantly less than we initially anticipated, uh, and so we've been focused on growing Wham Active ever since then. WAM Active could easily be three or four hundred million in terms of what it does. You know, it buys. Um, you know, it's looking for short, more short-term trading opportunities. You know, buying a dollar of assets for eighty cents if if, if they can. Um, you know, that's that's a little bit of the portfolio. The other one is participating in you know, IPOs, capital raisings, you know, uh, placements, um, buying you know, blocks of stock. You know, that, that we think are undervalued uh, and that we can make money from. So it's really the, the, the mirror of the trading part of the WAM capital portfolio. 
Uh, and as I mentioned, it could be significantly larger. So as you, as you grow a company, um, you actually find a lot of positive um, you know, flow through in terms of you're more relevant. You know, the financial planners find you more interesting. The, the, you know, the, the rating houses you know, find you more interesting. You know, and so therefore, um, what all those things do is help you know, get you to a premium NTA, if not a, a a larger premium NTA. So our plan is to keep growing WAM Active. We think the most equitable way is through the share purchase plan. Um, you know, we've been lobbying hard for the for um, if if there's a placement done that all shareholders can participate in that, not just the wholesale investors. Um, but with with this, you know, there'll be a share purchase plan, and for any of the larger shareholders that want to uh, get exposure, um, then they can participate in the placement. Uh, and that, as I mentioned, that's at a dollar eight. You know, the, I will be uh, disclosing my interest. You know, as a director, um, I can't participate in the placement, but I can participate in the share purchase plan as a shareholder. So I'll be taking my you know, thirty thousand dollars worth. Yeah, you know, the shares are currently, I think, today. You know, trading around that dollar eleven and a half, dollar twelve. Um, so you're getting a little bit of a discount. You still you are paying a premium NTA, which is, you know, we 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 never like paying a premium NTA. Um, but what you do is you're going to get another piece of paper, which is the option issue. And and what what the option does is that effectively is a significant buy and write on behalf of all shareholders. So we're giving you another piece of paper that is potentially worth something. And to give an example. Wham Global, um, you know, we did an option issue um, recently with Wham Global. There was no share purchase plan; it was just pure pure option issue. Now, when we announced that the shares were trading at two dollars fifty four, um, now the shares are trading a little bit above that. They're, they're around that two dollars fifty six level, and everyone everyone who's a shareholder has also got um, the equivalent number of options. And those options, they started trading in the last couple of days, and today they're trading around $0.16. Cents. Now, the options are exercised for Wham Global at, at uh, $2.54. Now, the share price is $2.56. So they've got a, the, those options have an intrinsic value of $0.02, cents, and the other $0.14 cents that people are putting on those options is leverage and time value of money. So effectively... What we've done for all you know, the WAM Global shareholders, we've created another piece of paper that they can decide what they want to do with it. They might want to keep those options uh, and see how the the um, company performs. If it performs well, they'll exercise them. Um, they might want to sell the options and you know, get a little like a little dividend. Um, they might want to sell the shares and, and buy the equivalent number of options. So you get the same exposure. Um, to the company, but you've got less capital tied up. So that's that's sort of our logic um, about doing option issues. Now, some people are confused with option issues. Some people think they're negative. Now, I see them as as very positive, and and it's a it's an effective way of raising capital. Now, obviously, it benefits the manager. You know, if we raise capital, we think it benefits the shareholders by giving them another piece of paper, and it benefits the company. By having an efficient way of raising the capital, yeah, you know, which doesn't put downward pressure on the on the share price. Like if we had a rights issue, yeah, you know, um, you know, then you're more likely to put pressure on the share price.
Now, that's not saying we won't ever have a rights issue, but you know, at the moment with the boards for WAM Global and WAM Active believe that the option issues are the best way of growing the company. And effectively, us as managers, you know, we have to perform to get those options exercised. Now, if we don't perform over the next you know, 18 months, then people aren't going to exercise those options. Thanks, James. Thanks very much, Jeff. Um, quite a detailed answer. So you took care of, of a few follow-up questions. Chris uh, Chris has just written in asking for the record date for the SBP. Chris, that is the 23rd of February 2021. So uh, need to be a shareholder at the, on that date, uh, on the register on that date. We we also have another follow-up question on, on the options. Um, so, Jeff, could, could you just explain the options <clears throat> or the choices that an option holder will have when when they start trading on the ASX. Okay, so so, so if you're a shareholder, say you own you know, ten thousand shares, um, then you will get ten thousand options, <clears throat> and you know, say you'll have ten thousand WAM shares, and you'll have ten thousand options, and that gives you sort of the right, but not the obligation. Um, to buy more WAM shares at $1.10 uh, any time for the next 18 months. Um, so it gives you exposure to the performance of WAM Active uh, and um, you know, assuming WAM Active performs well, then you may, at any point in time, you may decide to exercise uh, those options. For people that want to put, you know, that haven't been able to put enough money in through the share purchase plan at a, a dollar eight um, and aren't unfortunately can't participate in the placement, you know, then you know, and if they want, um, then they can exercise their options because uh, any options that are exercised before the um, record date of you know, for the dividend, which is the 19th of May, will also um, you know, entitle you, once you've turned them into WAM shares, then then you get the dividend. The, yeah, so it gives you, you know, the option gives you exposure to you know, the underlying WAM active portfolio. Now, there's no doubt that you know, above $1.10, anyone buying shares above $1.10, yeah, which is the exercise price for the option. Obviously, if they buy shares, yeah, then there's the equivalent number of options outstanding. So effectively, they have to buy one share and one option to get the same exposure of, as current WAM active shareholders get. Those options will be trading on the market. Um, depending on what they're trading at, yeah, then you may decide to, you know, to as I said, you can sell, you know, say you've got 10,000 WAM shares, you get 10,000 options. You, you may decide to, oh, I'm going to sell my 10,000 uh, WAM active shares and buy another 10,000 options because I, I, I want to um, you know, protect my downside because I'm nervous of the market, um, but I still want exposure to the company. Uh, you know, so that may be a strategy you adopt. Um, you may decide, you know, that oh, look, I'll just I'll keep my ten thousand shares and ten thousand options and see how 
that that gives me you know the equal exposure, uh, and let's see how Wham Active performs, um, yeah, over the next eighteen months. So there, there are some of the options you've got, or some of the alternatives uh, you've got. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, together with the recording of this webinar, we'll announce the detailed slide pack, which has all of the details uh, laid out on both, uh, well, on all three of the capital raisings we've discussed. Um, so let's turn to uh, let's turn to Oscar now for a question from Stu. What has changed in the market since the rollout of the coronavirus vaccine, and how have you adapted? Yeah, thanks, Stu. I mean, it was a. If we go back to November, when uh, I sort of talked about it before, when when the vaccine did hit, and it was the efficacy levels were much better than what we thought they would be. I mean, we can never prepared for. I think it was ninety seven percent. I think it was at the, at, at the time, and then you had multiple announcements after that. <clears throat> but what we did as a team was we sat down. And we said, okay, let's look at the portfolio. What are the companies where we think are COVID beneficiaries? So think of companies in retail, e-commerce, healthcare, um, automotive as an example. And these are companies that we're always going to, they're going to keep upgrading earnings expectations um, in the near term. But at some point when we go back to normal, normality will resume. A lot of the money that's going to retail might go back into, say, a sector like travel. So we were in a similar situation as we were sort of when COVID was at its worst back in March because you were sort of, you were trying to think, okay, what, what are the beaten up sectors that we think are going to do well once we return to normal. And so we chose and that we found a number of companies, um, you know, and we, we targeted them. We tried to find, see what the catalysts were, um, you know, there's a, across a number of sectors such as um, uh, construction, engineering, uh, financials, mining services, um, uh, so uh, diversified financials. So there was a lot of, yeah, those sort of companies that have really been forgotten about in the market. And what, what we generally see it's actually been one of the big changes over the last five years is the quality of the research on the sell side. The, so the stockbrokers we're speaking to has really diminished. So there are a lot of these companies, people have just neglected. They hadn't, they'd forgotten about it. It was too hard. It was too, you know, the, the environment was, you know, was terrible for them. So there was a lot of stale numbers and stale research on the companies. And so when we found them, you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity. We found those catalysts and it was a good opportunity for us. So I guess that was how we shifted back in November Thankfully, that played out through the reporting season. A lot of these companies had better than expected results than people had thought, and then the outlook was actually better because we've got a vaccine that's rolling out. So, yeah, to, to, to your question, Stu, um, I guess, yeah, the, how we're positioned across, you know, WAM Active and all the, really the WAM funds really is, is you know, we're really underweight um, sectors such as technology, retail and healthcare, but we're quite overweight um, in our exposures to areas like tourism, uh, to, to the banks, financials, um, diversified financials, construction companies. These are companies trading on very low valuations and will really benefit as we re return to normal post the vaccine, touch wood, that if, if it's assuming it's, it's successful in 12 months' time. So that's how we've transitioned in the portfolio. And to my point earlier, like I guess it's a, the amount of time we've spent trying to debating as a team in terms of what are the scenarios going forward as, as this all plays out, it's just, it's never ending. So, yeah, the team has done a fantastic job over, you know, over, over the last 12 months, it really has.
You may be on mute, James. Are you there? So thanks for that, Oscar. Uh, the next question is for you, Tobias, from Darsh. 20. Do you see this continuing and are there any IPOs you are positive on currently? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Um, so the IPO momentum is continuing. We've actually seen quite a few IPOs already and our non-deal roadshow. So one of the companies we are very interested in is Lynch Group. We've also we've also seen companies like Pepper Money, um, Peter Warren, and, and various other companies uh, over the last few months. Now, given we've just had reporting season, I think um, a lot of the deals will be coming to the market over the next uh, two to three months. So we, we're anticipating that momentum to continue to be pretty strong. Excellent, Tobias. Uh, we'll stay with you. Um, Info Media, why are you selling? That's from Xavier. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, it's been one of the uh, most disappointing uh, results uh, for the reporting season. It's been it was a, a huge um, detractor in February. Um, the reason we've reduced our stake is a reflection of, of our lower conviction level, um, recognizing that we could be wrong or we could be a little bit too early um, with our investment thesis. Um, the couple of catalysts that we thought would play out at the results um, didn't occur. The first catalyst was um, the fact that they, they could sail through, you know, the sort of COVID-impacted period a lot better. Um, while they did that successfully, I think this time last year, um, the prolonged impacts of the various lockdowns um, actually did impact their business, which weren't um, in the market. Um, the other reason um, we've reduced our commission level is the lack of an M&A. Um, so this time last year, they raised money to pursue acquisitions and it's been 12 months and they still haven't found the right company to acquire. So we were uh, very disappointed um, and, and, you know, we've sold down a portion of our holdings um, to reflect our sort of lower conviction level. Excellent. Thanks very much, Tobias. Uh, Oscar, to you, this question is from Elaine. You've discussed C-Link previously. What are your views on the company now? Now, given the February. Yeah, thanks, Elaine. Um, yeah, Sealink's been one of our, our best stocks really over the, over the last 12 months. And we hold it on the research uh, side of the portfolio. And we bought it around May. Um, so it's been a really good one. Now, the, 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 the key thesis to buying the stock is the business has fundamentally changed. So it made a big acquisition. It was almost like a reverse takeover, you could almost call it, um, around oh, two years ago, I think. Um, and basically, they bought the largest bus operator in, in Australia. And this, this is a, a transit-exposed bus, uh, bus a company as opposed to a tourism uh, company. And through throughout COVID, this, this company has won a lot of contracts. Um, it's increased its market share and proved to be very, very, very defensive. And that's been the main thing. So, yeah, and now on the tourism side, um, and that was probably another reason why we owned it, we wanted to buy it, was it was very much exposed to domestic tourism through its ferry business, across Australia, such as Captain Cook Cruises in, in, in Sydney or Kangaroo Island, um, the ferry to Kangaroo Island. Um, and, yeah, we've seen, a, 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 I guess, an, an increase in domestic tourism. And that business still hasn't ramped up yet to 100%, yet they've taken out a lot of costs. So we, we actually think that tourism business within Sealink can actually earn a lot more money than it did before uh, COVID hit. So 
it's done very well for us. Um, it's uh, you know very good company, very good management, um, and yeah, we think it's going to keep beating earnings expectations. And the balance sheet's very strong, so we think there's a, a chance for a creative acquisition. So it's it's one of our largest, if not the largest, uh, company in WAM Capital uh, and WAM Research at the moment. Thanks, Oscar. Back to you, Tobias. Is PayPal's proposed move into the buy now, pay later space a good thing? Who is your preferred play in the space? And that's from Amelia. Thanks, Amelia. Um, yeah, PayPal's a very formidable competitor and sort of them coming into the Australian market shows sort of them wanting to, I guess, take market share and disrupt the Australian markets just like Afterpay is disrupting their market. Um, you know, in our view, the Australian buy now, pay later market is very mature um, and new players that come into the market will have to go through the learnings of um, taking on um, sort of loss-making customers initially and then working through their customer base to ultimately retain, you know, the good, the good profitable customers. Um, you know, we're not too concerned. We, we think in, in the payment space, it's, it's sort of in a way a winner-takes-all scenario. And so our, our only exposure in the portfolio in the buy-now-pay-later space is, is afterpay. Um, and look, we, we won't go to the telephone lines because uh, everyone has joined uh, via webinar. So the, the, the last two questions we're, we're currently seeing on the screen are for you, Jeff. There's a lot of other LICs in the WAM Active portfolio. Can you explain the investment strategy behind these opportunities? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very um, simple investment strategy and broadly about, yeah, 10 to 20% of the portfolio um, is made up of LICs. And the logic there is buying a dollar of assets for 80 cents uh, and believing there'll be a catalyst to take that 80 cents back up to a dollar. And then in theory, if that happens, then you make 25% you know, on your money, you know, 20 cents on 80 cents. The um, And you know, it, it's really our ability to see those catalysts so that's why that's in WAM Active, and also we do the same um, in WAM Capital because effectively half of WAM Capital is the trading part, which is a, a mirror image of you know, pretty much a mirror image of, of WAM Active. The um, the interesting thing is some of the you know, we've been discussing um, for a little while about the logic of putting those entities in their own company, you know, the, the listed investment companies, because for some of the financial planners and, and the rating agencies, the Zeniths um, and the Lonsex and the like, you know, they like to see you know, the pure investment thesis being played out, and that's buying those undervalued growth companies you know, with some potential trading opportunities around. Uh, when there's... You know, the buying of the LICs, yeah, you a know, dollar um, at eighty cents. Uh, you know, that that sometimes, and we sometimes bid for those LICs. That's a little bit, some you know, sometimes for these rating guys, a little bit, um, yeah, you know, confusing. So yeah, you know, the plan is to um, you know, what we're talking about internally, and um, you, know, you you'll be, we'll keep you informed over the next you know, few weeks or months or so is the logic of putting a, a, another separate company that just purely does that. So if you want exposure to those listed investment companies at a discount with a potential catalyst, 
you know, then you'll buy shares in in that company, and that, and that, and then we won't necessarily, you know, do them in uh, you know, WAM Active uh, and WAM Capital. So, um, and the logic of doing it is, you know, it's we probably know more about the listed investment market than uh, I'd say equal, or if not more than uh, any other players in Australia. Um, and so we think there's a competitive advantage, and and it's you know, you're getting exposure to the market. Being you know, the listed investment company you buy gives you equity exposure to the market, and then yeah, so we get that exposure, and then if we can bridge the gap, you know, turn eighty cents into a dollar, we make another twenty five percent on top of that. So um, yeah, the investment strategy has worked well for us over time, and. James, that, was there another part to that question? There was, yes. The second uh, second part was uh, from Robert. And what is the current status of the Keybridge takeover? Oh, so the Keybridge takeovers uh, has expired. Uh, we ended up with yeah you forty know, something percent of the company. Yeah, you know, we bid six point nine cents. Um, you know, our valuation was a lot higher than that. Um, the, one of the secondary benefits um, was the fact that Keybridge can pay out 11 cents fully franked. Um, and you know, obviously, franking is a benefit to all our shareholders. Um, you know, the interesting thing is you know, the, the share price is actually you know, trading, I think it's seven and a half cents bid, nine cents seller at the moment. You know, it's, it's very illiquid. Um, but yeah, we we did we uh, the logic of bidding for Keybridge was an opportunity uh, presented itself. You know, one of the major shareholders wanted to leave. You know, we thought it was an opportunity just to buy buy assets cheaply, and we're still of that view at six point nine cents. Yeah, you know, we think we've done well, and you know, particularly um, if if we can get access to the franking at some point in time, and it will happen at some point. Thank you, Jeff. And, and that was the final question for the team. So I'll hand back to you to close. Oh, look, thanks, James and, and Tobias and Oscar. You know, congratulations, um, you know, Tobias and Oscar, on, on your you know, extremely good work. You know, myself as a shareholder in where I'm active and on behalf of all the other shareholders and, and obviously you know, Sam and Sean, you know, the other you know, senior analysts back in the office, Portfolio managers, um, and you know, Cooper, and more recently Will, the help us on the on the trading side. You know, we've, you've got a really good team, and and uh, thank you guys for that. In terms of shareholders, look, thank you very much. It is your company. You know, thanks for you know, supporting us and allowing us to do what we're very we love doing and very passionate about. You know, please, if you've got any suggestions or ideas, you know, please, um, you know provide feedback to um, you know, go on our website, send us an email, you know, sign up to our weekly um, and, and keep us uh, informed because, as I said, it is your company. The, you know, we would like to grow it. You know, that's the plan. We think the most, you know, the fairest way is by the share purchase plan and the option issue. Uh, and um, you know, if, if, you, if it makes sense for you, um, you know, then – yeah, I'd welcome you uh, um, increasing your exposure, but only if it makes sense for you. Um, you know, because when when you do buy equities, we all know it's 
it's yeah, it is risk. So, uh, on behalf of everyone, thank you very much.